take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We've arrived at the final chapter of 1 John today, and as we've studied here in 1 John, we've noticed, maybe you've noticed this, I've tried to point it out to you, I hope you've noticed, that John continues to come back to the basic truths of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Coming back to this basic truth of what it means to love one another, he comes back to what it means to love God. And throughout 1 John, he, he does this. He cycles back, he circles back, and he repeats, and he builds on the former teaching. He goes just a little bit deeper than the time before. Look at the Bible with me in 1 John chapter 5, and I want you to follow along as I read verses 1 through 5 from the English Standard Version. 1 John 5 verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I want you to note the statement in verse 1 where John says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That phrase, born of God, I want you to think about that phrase for just a few moments with me before we go a little deeper into the remaining passages in our text this morning. Think about that phrase, that born of God phrase. It's stated several different ways in the Bible. Each essentially means the same thing. The person that has been born of God is a person who the Bible says is born again. Born again. As when Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3.3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Another way born of God is stated in the Bible is is in the words new self, this little phrase new self, as seen in Ephesians 4 and verse 24 where believers in Jesus are told to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It kind of brings in that idea of born again also, created after the likeness of God, put on the new self. Another way born of God is stated in the Bible is heard in the phrase Adoption as sons, as in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 where the Bible says he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Another way born of God is stated in the Bible is heard in the phrase in him, in him. 
We saw it back in 1 John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word in him, that's not it, in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are, here it is, in him. By this we may know that we are in him, born of God. And two more ways born of God is stated is found in the passage in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.17, in two phrases, in Christ and new creation. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That points back again to that idea of being born again also. Born of God. Born of God. All those statements describe the same truth that a person has been born of God. And verse 1 says that a person has been born of God because they believe. Because they believe in Jesus Christ. We've been over this recently. This might sound familiar. Again, John kind of loops back and circles back and builds on the former. We've been over this recently. What does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Christ? It means that we believe the most fundamental teaching of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. God sent His one only Son to earth in human flesh, not just to live a life, but to live a sinless life, and then to go to the cross and die for sinners, and then to be risen from the dead, to rise from the grave, to conquer sin and death and hell in the grave. What a wonderful truth for people who believe that they, they are now children of God because they believe in Jesus. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are born of God. The implication, of course, is that you cannot be born of God unless you believe in Jesus. We ought not flinch at that. That's the teaching of God's Word. The Bible teaches this clearly. You cannot be born of God unless you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who do not believe do not have Christ, and they are not born of God. Now, if you want to be certain that you are born of God, I hope that's your desire, that every one of us in this room wants to be certain that we are born of God. If you want to be certain that you are born of God, then this is an especially important passage because in it we are shown the results of being born of God. What kind of results of being born of God should you expect to see in your life if you are born of God? There are three results of being born of God seen here. And the presence of these in your life should encourage you and should assure you that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you are Christ's, that he is yours. But the lack of these results in a person who claims to be a believer in Jesus, if you claim to be a believer in Jesus and you find these three results lacking in your life, it could be an indicator that one, uh, one indicator could be is that you're just severely disobedient and you need to repent and, and return to obedience to the Lord. Or, or it could mean that you have actually failed to believe in Jesus and that you're just going through the motions. You may have been in the church for many years and you find yourself going through the motions and you haven't truly believed if the evidence of your life points to the fact that these three results are missing and you determine that you 
do not have faith in Christ. This is serious. So it's important that we pay attention. It's serious for all believers, too, to examine themselves. The Scriptures teach us to examine ourselves, to see whether we're in the faith. This is never wasted energy. This is never wasted time. This should be encouraging to you. If you find yourself with these results growing in your life, this should be an encouragement to you. If you find these results missing in your life, either it's a wake-up call that you need to repent and turn back to obedience to God or to repent that you're a sinner in need of saving and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be born of God. Verse 1, look at your Bible again. Verse 1, we see the first result, the first result of being born of God. We've heard this before, (laughs) and I'm here to remind you because it's here in the text again. The first result of being born of God, verse 1, is love. Love. The first result is love. If you are a believer in Jesus, you will be learning to love. We've been hearing this in 1 John. The first clear result in your life, if you are born of God, is that you love God. You love God and you love the people of God. You love people who are born of God. Look at the Bible. Again, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of God. Result number one of being born of God. Love. The Bible is showing you here that the natural outcome The natural overflow of a person who is born of God will be love for the children of God. Love for their fellow believers. Love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. I think there's a clear illustration of of that truth seen in the family. Um, I say that because I've seen it many, many times. When new life arrives in the family, we've kind of had experience in our family. It's been a while now since we've had a new baby in our immediate family. We've got grandchildren now, but having eight children gives you experience of what it's like to have new babies in the house on an ongoing basis for many years. When new life arrives in the family, there's this natural inclination. It's the sweetest thing on earth. This natural inclination when a little tiny child, maybe two or three, picks up their little sister, their baby sister, and cuddles and hugs that baby. We have pictures to prove this happened with our oldest two sons when they picked up their little sister, Christy, and hugged her and loved on her and and kissed her, and now our oldest has his own two little girls. We know this is true. It happened with our granddaughter when she had a little sister. We saw her loving and hugging on her little sister. We've got pictures to prove that too. It's the most natural thing in the world. Whenever there's a new arrival into the family, children will naturally begin to show love for that sibling. Now, I know what you're thinking. Because of sin... Because of sin, the natural bent to selfishness also brings something else in those siblings. It may not be long after that when I am told, I said, when my little brother was brought home from the hospital and I was three, I'm told I said, I don't remember this, of course, 
But I'm told, I said, after a few days of realizing that he was stealing all of my mother's attention, can we take him back now? Can we take him back? And now I might have been happy to see him at first, but after a few days, I guess I was ready to send him back. Let's get a refund. (laughs) And it gets worse from there. It gets worse from there. You know, if you've got siblings, that's the least of your problems. Let's say as a three-year-old, say, let's take him back. It can get worse from there. I've got brothers. I've got a sister. I remember going round and round with my older brother one time when he was in high school and my sister was married and she was in charge of us for the day and I was in grade school and something my brother was doing was driving me nuts and I was refusing to go wherever we were supposed to go. I don't remember what we were supposed to do that day, but my brother-in-law and my sister were taking my older brother and myself and my younger brother somewhere, and I said, I'm not going if he's going. And my sister backed me into the bedroom. She's now about, I'm, I'm a lot taller than she is. I'm a lot bigger than she is, but at the time, she backed me into my bedroom, pushed me back into bed, jumped on top of me and started smacking me. You're going, you're going, you're going. I can tell you, I'm pretty sure my sister was happy to see me when I came into the world. I'm pretty sure my older brother was happy to see me when I came into the world. But there were times when we clashed. We now, just young people, we regret those times now. Okay, we laughing, but we regret those times. We look back on those times and, man, man, I wish I could be with my brothers. Or I wish I could be with my sister. That's what I tell my kids. One day you're going to look back and go, I wish I could be spending time with my siblings right now. Why? Because... The natural overflow in a family is for siblings to love one another. There is this sin issue that we're dealing with, too, that that creates tension. And that's why God gave children parents. So the parents can come along and help solve those problems, and maybe not solve them, but deal with them at least. I think this also illustrates the challenge that we face in the church. We're a family of God in Christ. We are born into the same family. We We are born again into Christ. And the natural overflow of our lives as we grow in Christ should be love for one another. And yet we're still dealing with the sin nature and selfishness. And those things tend to surface in the life of the church. And we should not necessarily be alarmed when they show, but but when they show, we have the tools to deal with this. This is the passage before us. We have the tools. We're equipped for dealing with sin and selfishness in the life of the church. And that's why God's Word again says, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, verse 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. You've been born again. You have new life in Christ. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. You love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not perfect at this yet. I know you're not because you're still here. You're not in heaven yet. I'm not perfect at this yet. But the natural result of being born again will be love. If there's no love for for God and for the children of God, there's likely no relationship with God. That's a wake-up call if this is true of your life. You need to repent of your sin, believe in Jesus, and be saved if this is true of you. If you're a believer, if you're convinced, I've trusted in Jesus Christ, but you don't see the evidence of growing love, then you need to repent of that sin and take steps to obey God. Learn to love your brother and sister in Christ. Now, does this mean that God's children will always love one another as they ought? No, it will not. No, we won't always love the way that we should. That's why Jesus commanded us to love 
one another just as he has loved us. He commanded us. We, why do we need a command? Why do you tell your children what to do? Because they need direction. Why do we get commands from God? Because we need direction. That's why the Bible gives pastors and teachers to preach the word, as the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2, to reprove, to rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. My hope for you, as you continue to search for your next pastor, pray for the pulpit committee. My hope for you is that you will have a burning desire to find a man of God who will preach the word to you whether you like it or not, because it is the very thing you need. Because we're not perfect this side of heaven. We need all the help we can get. We need the commands of God's word and we need to be reminded of the truths constantly. We will all continue to need training, teaching, correction, encouragement in this life on earth. We will all continue to need this until we see Christ. But the true nature of one who believes that Jesus is the Christ will be love. Growing love for your brothers and sisters in Christ because the true believer has experienced the new birth in Christ and has the perfecting work of God in them because the Holy Spirit has been poured into the heart and life of the believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is bringing the word to bear in the obedient child of God. That child of God will be growing in love. Where we often struggle to show love is in the daily life of the church. Just getting along and doing the business of the church, doing the work of the church, we often find ourselves struggling to show love in the daily life of the church. I appreciate what pastor and author Sinclair Ferguson writes about this as he speaks of the kind of difficulties that we face in practicing this kind of love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ when he writes this, Biblically-based churches find it easier dealing with false teaching. And they're often at their worst when dealing with differences of opinion. He says, personal differences can be deadly. Dividing the fellowship, sowing seeds of bitterness, diverting attention from central issues, petty peripheral concerns, sucking energy that should be employed in building up believers and in reaching out to the community. How effectively we handle these deficiencies may say more about the biblical character of our church than than how we handle heresy. He goes on to say, we can never shake hands with a Christian after a disagreement and say to them, I told you so. We must always say, the Lord told us so. Love one another. This points to the second result of being born of God. First is love. The second is obedience. Obedience. The child of God will obey God's commands. Note that verse 1 says that the person who is born of God loves the Father. And then verses 2 and 3 define for you what it means to love God. These verses also clarify how you will know 
whether you are really loving the children of God or not. So look at verses 2 and 3 again. Look at your Bible in verses 2 and 3 for this clarification, this help that we need here. By this, in other words, this is the result. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. We've dealt with love. This passage points to it again. When we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, says verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. If you are closely examining your life, if you're taking a close look at your life, this should be true of each of you who say you believe. You must examine your life for evidence of your love for the children of God. Evidence. What's the evidence say? Do you love God's children? And I'm not talking about the nursery here or junior church here. I'm talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you love God's children? Do you love those who are also part of the family of God. How will you know if you do or you do not? And this is interesting because earlier John says, you know you love God when you love his children. And now he says, look at it. Now he says, you know you love his children when you love God. Earlier we are hearing, if you love God, then the, then the result will be that you love people. You will love God's children. Now he's saying, If you love God's children, it's evidence that you love God. But how do you love God? How do you love God? The Bible says obedience is the way. Obedience is the way. Look at the Bible, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. How will you know if you truly love God? As you examine your life and ask yourself, do I love God's commandments? What's the answer? Only you, only you and God know the answer. Do I love God's Word? Do I hunger and thirst for God's Word and righteousness? Am I eager to attend the preaching and teaching of God's Word? Do I seek to have my life guided by God's commands? And do I desire to do God's will? Do I desire to obey even even as I struggle at times to obey? John says that keeping God's commandments is not burdensome. What the Bible is teaching you here is that keeping God's commandments is, in fact, liberating. You need to understand this. Obeying God's commandments is liberating. A.W. Tozer writes, Let a man set his heart only on doing the will of God, and he is instantly free. If we understand our first and sole duty to consist of loving God supremely and loving everyone, even our enemies, for God's dear sake, then we can enjoy spiritual tranquility under every circumstance. Notice he didn't say tranquility of life. He said spiritual tranquility. 
tranquility of life is almost impossible at times, right? We've all, all got these things going on in our lives, and we could all, if we all stopped and took time to talk to each other today, we'd all have a list long of, of things that we're dealing with. But in the midst of those things that we deal with in life, we can know spiritual tranquility if we make loving God and obeying His commands our highest priority. The Bible certainly has something to say about obedience. Deuteronomy 13.4 You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. 1 Samuel 15.22 Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And I'm, I'm willing to guess that you could think of many other passages if I were to ask, we would have many other passages in the Bible where God's commandments are made a high priority in, in believers' lives. Pastor and author John MacArthur writes that if I believe God is who the Scripture reveals Him to be, then He is going to draw out of my heart all my love and all my praise and all my adoration and all my interest and all my attention, and I'm going to be consumed with Him as the priority of my life. And as a second priority, I'm going to be consumed with the people He loves because whoever He loves, I love. It's just how it works. And if I truly love him that way, the expression of that love is going to come in keeping his commandments and considering his commandments as not burdensome. This is one of the ways you demonstrate that you love God. You love God's commandments. You obey God's commandments. You pursue obedience to God's commandments. And if you love and obey God's commandments, this third result of being born of God will be yours. Victory. This third result of being born of God. Victory. The child of God is an overcoming victor in Christ. Look at the Bible at verse 4 again. For everyone who has been born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Everyone. Says verse 4, everyone, not some, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is, this is talking about victory over sin. This is overcoming sin and temptation in your life. If you are a believer in Jesus who realizes that keeping God's commands is really not a heavy burden on you, but a liberating standard by which God helps us grow, If you are one who realizes that keeping God's commands is all blessing, not a restriction on you, but completely liberating, you overcome the world of sin that you're tempted to participate in. You overcome the sin that surrounds you, and you do not yield to the passions of your own flesh that war within you. 
as you did before you knew Jesus as Savior, as you did before the Holy Spirit was poured into you and the Word of God was given to you in the copy of the pages of your Bible where God instructs you and encourages you with His commands and promises to keep you and grow you and strengthen you by His Spirit. John says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in whom? Our faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross for sinners. Look at the Bible in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You have everything you need to overcome sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can only overcome sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever, who, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Says verse 5. The world doesn't love the Word of God. The, word, the world doesn't love the Bible. Beyond the fact that I think I saw a st- Statistic recently that over 70% of homes in the United States claim to have a Bible. That's kind of an overwhelming statistic when you look at the culture that we live in and you realize that a majority of those probably don't read their Bible. The world does not love the Word of God. The world doesn't really care what the Bible says. But if you're a believer in Jesus, if your faith is in Christ... If you love God's commandments and you realize that they're not a ball and chain, but yet they are liberating, they they throw open the cell doors to set you free. If you realize that, that because your faith is in Christ, that God gives you commandments for your good and that God gives you the bread of life and the streams of living water and he gives you the Holy Spirit, this makes you an overcomer. This makes you an overcoming victor because of Jesus, because your faith is in him. Your faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes the world. And when we talk about the world, we're talking about the, the, the pattern of sin, the, the ways of sin that we find so easily in the world, and even the sin that wells from within as we do battle with the old nature. Your faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes the world, that overcomes sin, that overcomes the hostility of Satan to accuse you of being unworthy of God's love poured out on you through Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes temptation to sin. Your faith in Jesus Christ is the victory that overcomes even your own failures to obey. I so love the words of the hymn, New Life in Christ, when thinking about this. Listen to these words. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see, my past with its sin, the searching and strife forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. 
in Christ, I am born of God. Love, obedience, victory. If these three results of being born of God are missing from your life because you're being disobedient as a believer in Jesus, then you need to repent of your sin of disobedience and return to obedience. Pursue the wisdom of God's word, the knowledge of God revealed to you in his word. Pursue obedience. If these three results of being born of God are missing from your life because you're an unbeliever, because you have not trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation and in Him alone, then the most important thing for you to do today is admit that you're a sinner in need of saving. Look to Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus and you will be born again. You will be born of God. 